You know, and I must say, as much as we sort of poke fun at Christmas music on the show, which we, which we have been known to do, yes, such as with the dog version of Jingle Bells, we do have to admit there is some fine Christmas music out there. Not just some of the carols we all remember from childhood, but, you know, things like Nat Cole, the Christmas song, things like that. Some of it's pretty good. Talking about this, we would refer you to the article that was in the Sacramento Bee on December 19th by Carla Meyer about... Uh, how some retailers are playing music that's been packaged for them to just kind of help put them in the mood. And uh, by odd coincidence, it turns out that while we were recording last week's show, uh, someone, shall we say, associated with the program, uh, found themselves involved in this very article. In fact, our next guest, Priya Malalu, was interviewed by Carla Meyer for that article. I'd like to say welcome to Radio Parallax, Priya. Thank you. Now, we should note that you are in the fourth grade at uh, Phoebe Hurst School? Yes. And you want to say hello to any of your classmates while you got a chance? I'd like to say hi to all my classmates in Mrs. Stowers' class, including Mrs. Stowers. Well, good. Priya, I guess you were over there in the Big Spoon when Carla Meyer and the other folks came in there and started talking about the Christmas music, and they mentioned that uh, I guess you were singing along with the tune Winter Wonderland. Is that correct? Yeah. Which you'd learn the lyrics of? Mm-hmm. Can you belt out a few lines for us? Um, no. Fair enough. So from what I can read in the article, they talked to you guys quite a bit about the music that they were playing in, in the Big Spoon. Yes. Was it good music? Yeah. You don't sound completely convinced. <laughs> or convincing. It was okay. I liked it. Good enough. So, Priya, do you think listening to that music made you want to buy more yogurt? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, I believe you're the only person we ever had in this show under the age of about 15, Priya, and I think that you're now, uh, it's now three generations of your family that have appeared on Radio Parallax, because I guess, I guess your grandpa was on the show some years back. Yep. We remind people that, uh, that uh, Priya's grandpa, Sherrod Malalu, uh, talked about uh, life in India. It was very entertaining guest several years back on our show, and that's available on our archives. We highly recommend it. He was a professor of sociology at... Um, CSUS. Yes, indeed. Cal State Sacramento. Now, there's a rumor here that your dad uh, actually takes part in the production of this show and has been on this show before. Is there any truth to that? I plead the fifth. Well, that is your right. Well, all right, Priya, before we go, uh, what, what, do you, what do you learn over there at the Phoebe, uh, Phoebe Hurst School? What are they teaching you about? Ansel Adams. Oh, the great photographer? Mm-hmm. Did you guys look at his pictures and stuff? Yes. He does some good work, doesn't he? I think so. Fair enough. Well, Priya, thanks for coming on the show. I just want to say that, you know, if you're in a big spoon in the future and anybody asks you what radio show you're taking a break from, be sure to mention Radio Parallax. You got it. Okay. We'll frolic and play the Eskimo way Walking in a window All right, we haven't done any obituaries in this program for a while, and we do like to do those to uh, note the passing of people that uh, are deserving of note. I suppose this month we have to uh, say something about the passing of Kim Jong-il, perhaps something more than what Jay Leno said, which was, 
North Korea announced the passing of their supreme leader, Kim Jong-il. His younger son will take over. At first, there was speculation that power could pass to one of Kim's two sisters, Courtney Jong-il or Chloe Jong-il. I do want to note that I'm, I'm pretty sure that both Marx and Lenin are spinning in their grave at the prospect of a hereditary kingdom, in essence, ruled by the Communist Party of North Korea. Although I'm a big advocate of travel on this program, I have to admit I only met one person that had ever been to North Korea. That was a guy I met when I was in Namibia who was a genuine black revolutionary who had been apparently sent by the communists to North Korea to get some training. I knew when even he was making fun of the Korean government that, uh, well, it just didn't get any respect anywhere. Kim Il-sung, his father, was known for years as the great leader. His son, Kim Jong-il, was then designated the dear leader. And no, we're not sure whether his designated successor, Kim Jong-un, will be called the chubby leader. Reportedly, North Koreans have heard about him only as their peerless leader. <laughs> that would be as opposed to the Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoons fearless leader, we believe. They'd have to crack up the summary of Kim Jong-il in the Sacramento Bee. They noted he was a source of fascination inside the CIA, which interviewed his mistresses and psychoanalyzed his motives. And he was an object of parody in U.S. culture. Short and round, he wore elevator shoes, oversized sunglasses, and a bouffant hairdo, described as a Hollywood stereotype of a wacky dictator. I'm surprised they didn't mention the most singular fact about his attire, the fact that, <laughs> that he was always seen wearing a leisure suit. Something that looked quite bad in the 1970s and still looks quite bad. As to whether there's good people at the CIA and all these crack analysts that have taken a look at North Korea, um, well, we've expressed some doubts in this program in the past about how accurate uh, their assessments are. We certainly agree with David Wallachinsky, who perennially rated Kim Jong-il as one of the world's worst dictators, always in the top three or four. We've openly questioned how much a threat North Korea could possibly be to the rest of the world when satellite photos of the country at night show no lights on. A country where it's now estimated millions, one or two million people died from starvation. Seems this correspondent was a bit of a, a political pawn between the Russians, the Chinese, and America. Anyway, he's gone now, and I'm, I'm sure burning in hell as we speak. So what a successor will make of that godforsaken country, well, we're not going to speculate because we think everybody else is just uh, plucking opinions out of thin air. Speaking of the Korean conflict, we want to note the passing of Harry Morgan, who played Colonel Potter on TV's MASH, a show which I believe lasted twice as long as the actual Korean conflict. To be honest, I didn't think much of Harry Morgan's performance uh, on MASH, but then I didn't think much of anybody's performance on MASH. That said... There was one role that I think Harry Morgan played to the hilt and did a fantastically good job at. Yes, Harry Morgan played a great Officer Bill Gannon to Jack Webb's Joe Friday on TV's Dragnet. I think his deadpan delivery was perfect for the role. And although I suppose it will surprise some listeners to know this, I have always been a huge Dragnet fan, both of the radio program and its later incarnation on television. I think Jack Webb did a masterful job of showing uh, what real police work was like. 
Yes, it was a bit caricatured. Yes, it was a bit simple-minded. Yes, sometimes in the 60s it was hilariously behind the times, but doggone it, all in all, a solid radio program and solid television program. Harry Morgan was certainly a part of that, and for that we say, thank you, Mr. Morgan. And, you know, if we wanted to honor people that, whose, whose passing is worthy of note, we'd probably have to do, uh, you know, 60 minutes of every show to do it. So we want to apologize to people that we maybe, you know, missed. But one person I don't think we should miss was Norma Jean Hamlin, who got a wonderful obituary in the Sacramento Bee on December 15th, celebrating her life, which I think I'll quote from. Norma Jean Hamlin, a tenacious Orange Vale activist who led a 13-year battle to preserve a scenic wilderness area overlooking Lake Natoma, died last Saturday at age 82. Ms. Hamlin was a retiree who lived alone for many years near Snipes Pershing Ravine, a riparian woodland considered a crown jewel of the American River Parkway. She was an ardent environmentalist who spent hours photographing and compiling scrapbooks on native plants and animals. She was a free spirit who wore mismatched colors, burst into song in public, and filled her home with boxes of documents and mementos. She put food out for stray pets and left water in Tupperware bowls in the woods for wildlife on hot summer days. She was also a relentless advocate for Snipes Pershing Ravine, which was zoned for condominiums back in, uh, in the 80s. In 1989, Ms. Hamlin organized a community-wide effort to lobby the California Department of Parks and Recreation to buy the 31-acre property. Taking on the tedious work required to make change happen, she spoke at meetings and gathered petition signatures. She contacted reporters and enlisted support from groups and agencies. She filled voice mailboxes and state offices with messages after midnight and wrote letters to elected officials. Reportedly, she would take things down to the governor's office and sit outside until somebody would accept her letters and photographs. And Mrs. Hamlin's efforts paid off when the property owner agreed to sell for half the asking price. The state acquired the land for about $1 million, and Snipes Pershing Ravine was dedicated into the California park system in 2003. You know, we're great fans of people who, uh, who will step it up and, and do what they can as private citizens to try and uh, accomplish something that they would like to see accomplished. And it sounds like uh, Norma Jean Hamlin was certainly one of those people, and we'd like to salute her as well. In that same vein, we probably should honor, before we go, Vaclav Havel, dead at 75 last week. Uh, Associated Press noted that the end of Czechoslovakia's totalitarian regime was called the Velvet Revolution because of how smooth the transition seemed. Communism dead in a matter of weeks without a shot fired. But for Vaclav Havel, it was a moment he helped pay for with decades of suffering and struggle. He was a dissident playwright, spent years in jail, but never lost his defiance or his eloquence. And and the government's attempts to crush his will ended up expanding his influence. He became a source of inspiration to Czechs and to all of Eastern Europe. And, like Nelson Mandela, he went from, pres- he went from prisoner to president, becoming president of Czechoslovakia in 1989, the year the Berlin Wall fell. Gotta say, if someone had said 25 years ago that within a few years the totalitarian uh, regimes of Eastern Europe would all fall, well, like most people, I would have thought they were crazy. Yet, fall they did. These days, if you want to find a communist regime, you're going to have to probably go to Cuba, North Korea, or the Berkeley City Council. (laughs) I know we've used that joke about five times, but I just can't resist it. All right, as we're closing up here, I want to note from the completely out of left field file. I was reading a piece by Sam McManus in The Bee some weeks back where he's talking about ghosts up in the foothills. I was caught by one uh, one phrase in there. Sam wrote that... uh, a resident said that the ghost will mess with the lights, 
rearrange the feng shui of the place and gallivant down the halls. I must say, this does take me back to childhood when coming in late for dinner, I was accused of gallivanting all over the neighborhood. This I hotly denied. Although I was not sure what gallivanting was, I was, I was pretty sure from my parents' tone it was not something they approved of. And we certainly have uh, want to offer no approval for ghosts going about gallivanting in down the hallways or any place else. And I have to say, this does remind me of that famous exchange between Howard Cosell and Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Cosell asked, Muhammad, would you say that you are truculent? <laughs> to which Ali replied, well, whatever truculent mean, if it good, I am. And we want to slip in a, a local attaboy here, too, uh, to Aerojet, Sacramento's local rocket company. Say one of my favorite moments when I was hosting over at Insight was a chat about Aerojet. Piece by Mark Glover in the Sacramento Bee notes that the current Mars mission boosters are helping Aerojet rocket into a new era. Mark Glover noted that Aerojet's decades removed from the glory days of the space race back in the 1960s when more than 20,000 employees were aiming for the moon. But the defense and aerospace subsidiary of Rancho Cordova-based GenCorp Inc. is staying busy these days with various projects. Going to Mars, for example. Aerojet, in fact, provided the solid rocket boosters that lifted NASA's Mars Science Laboratory, or MSI, for that uh, 354 million mile journey to the Red Planet. And when, uh, when that mission puts down on Mars come August, you can bet we're going to be down in Pasadena covering that event for you, dear listener. And of course, we expect to uh, follow up on our chat with Dr. Don Sumner of UC Davis, professor of geology, who spoke with us about this mission. Exciting stuff, and we hope it puts down safely and is going to continue to do some great science on Mars. Meanwhile, the Opportunity rover, like the Energizer Bunny, just keeps going and going, which we will also follow up on. In the three or four minutes we have left, I want to do a little forward promotion for someone we hope to bring to the program. That would be uh, Bob Berman, currently a columnist and contributing editor for Astronomy Magazine. He's a radio host also on the Northeast Public Radio Network and also astronomy editor for the Old Farmer's Almanac. His current book uh, out on the market, The Sun's Heartbeat, was written up in our favorite science magazine, New Scientist, as one of the best uh, science books of 2011. New Scientist said astronomer Bob Berman is a masterful storyteller who spins the tale of our favorite star with a deft touch and leaves you desperate to see the northern lights for yourself. Mr. Berman also makes an excellent case for eclipse chasing. To quote from the book, if people had any real clue how astoundingly life-altering the experience of seeing a total eclipse is, they would rearrange their lives to make any reasonably nearby eclipse a slam-bang definite. About 10 years ago, as an Aurora lecturer in Alaska for Astronomy Magazine, I just led our group back inside the warmth, it was March and negative 25, after viewing a riotous all-sky display of northern lights. We were positioned directly under these shimmering auroral curtains, the patterns resembling what an awakening drunk might see after falling asleep beneath some draperies that were glowing somehow. I'd done this for three winters in a row, but this particular aurora was the best I'd ever seen. Our guests hailed from many countries, and all were wealthy enough that this wasn't their first nature expedition to an exotic locale. How many of you have ever seen solar totality, I asked, and counted the hands. Sure enough, 26. Allow me to survey, I asked. Which do you regard as more spectacular, the aurora you just saw or the total eclipse? All but one shows the eclipse. And we want to point out to you that, uh, unfortunately, the next upcoming eclipse of the sun will be an annular. 
That's the bad news. There won't be quite enough moon to cover the sun because of the geometry of the two orbs. So even at maximum coverage, there will still be a ring around the sun, meaning it will still be daylight. Sadly, this is a far cry from the experience of a total eclipse, but the good news is the eclipse path goes right over Chico and Reno and Northern California. On May 20th of 2012, you will not have to travel very far to see something very cool. But when you go, make sure you have proper eyewear. This is not one you look at. A total eclipse is completely safe to look at during those couple minutes of totality, but before and after when there's any sun left, bad idea. Naturally, we'll be talking more about this as the months, uh, months spin on. The next total eclipse of the sun will be on November 14th, visible from northern Australia. We plan to be there. And dear listener, you now have enough time to start planning for that if you can scrape together the money and the time. I know that's not necessarily easy to do, but uh, Bob Berman's right. It's a spectacular show that takes place in the sky, and if you've got any chance to see one before you die, well, it, it, it certainly deserves to be on your bucket list. So we're going to work pretty hard in bringing Bob Berman on this program in the first week of January. We're also going to try and bring you Dr. Ivan Schwab to talk about the evolution of the eye. We wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy Hanukkah, etc. This program was produced by Edward McMillan, who may or may not be related in some fashion to our guest, Priya Malaloon. Thank you for coming on, Priya. Thanks, too, to our good pal, Matt Perry. Like I said, Matt will be back. You have been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. Look forward to seeing you for our end-of-year program next week where we take a look back at 2011 and hopefully a look forward into 2012. Oh, and by the way, we can confidently predict the world is not ending in 2012. Not only do we have two cool solar eclipses coming up, Venus is going to make a transit in front of the sun on June 5th. There's no way the world's going to end before that happens. So let's go out, Mr. McMillan, if we could, with some, some of that festive Christmas music. I'll leave this one up to you. I'm, I'm confident you'll find something good. Santa Claus Goes straight to the ghetto Hitch up your reindeer uh, Goes straight to the ghetto Santa Claus Goes straight to the ghetto Fill every stocking you find The kids are gonna love you so uh, Leave a toy for Johnny Leave a doll for Mary Leave something pretty for Donnie And don't forget about Gary Santa Claus uh, Goes straight to the ghetto Santa Claus Go straight to the ghetto Tell him James Brown sent you <laughs> Go straight to the ghetto You know that I know what you will see Cause that was once me Hit it, hit it You see mothers and soul brothers Santa Claus Go straight to the ghetto Santa Claus Oh Lord Go straight to the ghetto Fill every stock and you find The kids are gonna love you so 